Welcome to the Thought Leader Podcast. I'm Dr. Kent, and we like to um, really drill down on what thought leadership means and how it applies within different industries and so forth. And, and today, I had a chance to just spend some one-on-one time with a truly inspiring person who speaks on big stages, has worked in big companies, understands the value of international leadership. Ritu Marish is a real inspiration. She talks about her mom, her upbringing, talks about the value of good leadership, which is something that we really need moving forward post-COVID. So without further ado, check out my interview with Ritu Marish. So nice to see you, Ritu. Am I pronouncing your name properly? Yes, that's that's perfectly fine. Okay, cool. And I know it's super late there. Where are we speaking to you from? So I'm currently in Singapore. That's been home for a few years now. So it's 11 p.m. here, right? And what about, uh, I've never been to Singapore. What about Singapore do you find most unique or strange or beautiful or any of the above? Yeah. Um, I think it's one of the most cosmopolitan countries, city in the world. And I say this having lived in five countries before this. You have people from all possible nationalities coming here. So it's kind of a melting pot. It's also a gateway into Asia. So uh, it's also in a fun way called Asia for dummies. Like it's nothing like rest <laughs> of the Asia, but uh, but it's still kind of, you know, uh, it is, yeah. It's it's a good transition into Asia if one has never lived here. Interesting. Um, and so you have an extraordinary website in some ways. I, I have to start off talking about it because I amused and intrigued by the, the video at the top of your landing page where obviously I think it's it the the line tangles itself and then gets untangled. So I wanted yes. to start there and talk about you know, leadership with you as, I guess, a lot like a string that can get tangled up and straightened back out again. Or is this, or is this more like a tessellation, like Madeline Lengel, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> where you're jumping through time? <laughs> no, this is the, the one that you said, the former one, which is really as leaders, we, we often find ourselves getting entangled and getting stuck, getting blocked. And my role as a leadership troubleshooter is to help leaders straighten some of those, uh, those uh, you know, entanglement or iron the issues out. So that's what I help leaders do. And how did you stumble into this? So speaking of stumbling, how did you end up working with leaders? How did you realize that you had this um, gift or skill? So uh, it's a little bit of a long story, but I will give you the backstory. So before I started doing this, I worked in the corporate world for 20 years. So I started my career with PNG, Procter & Gamble, and then I moved to the U.S. to work with GE Capital. That time, Jack Welch was still at the helm of things. So I spent next 15 years with GE uh, in different parts of the world, in different businesses. And during that tenure, I looked, I got to experience leadership in very co- close quarters. And having then, the last 10 years, uh, been having been doing leadership roles within different GE businesses, so 
how did I actually develop this snag? It's interesting because towards the end of my, my tenure uh, with GE, I actually worked with a coach and I say jokingly that I tasted blood because I realized the power of coaching. And she left me with these thoughts about what are some of my key strengths? What are some of the things that I can continue to leverage as, as I charter my next 10, 20 years? And one of, them, one of the things was my ability to work and connect with people. Because in my last operating role within GE, I managed a big business vertical. So I was responsible for you know, the, the PL, the revenue, but also I managed 1,000 people spread across eight countries, five continents. So all the way from Mexico, Guatemala to China to Romania, Poland. So I've actually had the opportunity to work with really global and diverse team and virtual team because I was only I could only possibly be in one country. So all of a mixture of experience and my own, I guess, intrinsic thing, ability to connect with people led me to this path of um, starting my own work about six years back and uh, helping leaders in different organizations to in their leadership journey. So if I, if I were to kind of pry back even further, were you the kind of kid who was a leader among other kids? Uh, when did you first realize that you had um, some kind of talent for this? Oh, I'm not too sure whether I was the leader, uh, I was the leader kind of a, of a kid. So I grew up in a boarding school. I mean, I went to a boarding school because my, so I'm originally from India and my parents stayed in a very small town where there weren't a lot of good school and their life's big goal was to give their kids the best of education. So I went to a private school in India, which was like 150 years old, established by the British. And I guess that experience of actually gave me a lot of independence and also ability to work uh, with people or make close friends or connect with people. That definitely comes from my schooling because we were all, you know, we just had all of us for company, for sharing whatever we were going through. We all stayed together, ate together, literally slept together, right? We did everything together. So I think the ability to connect with people came from my early days from a boarding school. And how, how old were you when you first went off to school? I was about nine years old. Oh, wow. Super young. Yeah. And what was that like? So you would go off for a couple of weeks, uh, a couple of months, and then come home uh, for a period of time? Or what did that, what was that like? That's right. So because it was up in the hills, you know, we, we had a big winter break because it was snow there. So our school would start in March. So we would go in there March. Uh, we would have the first break probably yeah, in June for a few weeks. We would come home. And then we would go back again after two, three months. We had another few weeks break. And then December, we would close for three months. So December, January, February, three months, I was home. So that's how the cycle was. So I hope you don't mind if I keep praying. No, so, go ahead. <laughs> so I'm very curious about, it sounds like your parents were instrumental in, in wanting to provide some real deep education for you and that's that's a wonderful thing which that you've built on so what what, what are your folks kind of special talents and skills so for my folks i guess for them it was you know and, the, and there's, there's a story which i won't tell you now but i tell in my keynotes about how my mom had this thing even before we were born how she had this uh, aspiration for her kids to have really good education and i'll give you a shorter version of that my mom and dad got married when they were very young my mom was only 18 
like I said, they came from a very small town. So one day they were visiting a little larger or bigger town and they were sitting in a coffee shop and a bunch of schoolgirls came and sat next to the table where my mom and dad were sitting and they were busy talking to each other, those little girls. And my mom was trying to understand what they're saying, but she couldn't because these girls were talking in English. And in India, at that point in time, English was equated to good education. If you got good education, you could speak in English. So my mom told my dad, and that time they didn't have kids. She said that whenever we have kids, I want them to be like these girls. And flash forward 45 years, here I am, her daughter, <laughs> who's, you know, who's, who's been around the globe and who speaks globally on stages. So, so that's really, I, I think my mom had that vision and she really set this path out for, for me and my siblings to make something of our lives. So, and where did she get that from? Was that something that was kind of, I, I know from my, my distant relatives in, in Sweden, you know, there are some old records that say, you know, obviously they were poor potato pickers, but hmm. they read the Bible well. I think that was one of the notes from a couple hundred years ago you <laughs> know, in, the, in the church book. Do you come from a stock of people who valued uh, education or excellence? I think my mom did. Yeah, she she really, uh, of course, and I and I say mom, but of course, dad agreed, you know, and that's how he provided all, for all of that. But for my mom, it, it was important to to have a good education. And that time it was also about providing independence, I guess, to to girl child or to women to kind of, you know, it's like a women empowerment thing. So, I, yeah. And in fact, it, it's it's funny you ask that because. My mom was, was quite educated herself, except that she didn't speak in English. Like, I mean, her education was not necessarily in English. She didn't go to the private schools, but she actually did her post-graduation. And she really did want to, I guess, you know, if, if she was given a chance, she probably would have had a career. But, you know, she, she had kids and she, you know, she was a homemaker. And then when she, she's now almost touching 70, but in her 50s, she actually went, she kind of learned how to work on laptops and she studied astrology. And now she actually teaches astrology, you know, to people now in the last 15 years, she's been doing that. So I guess it was embedded in her to just this attraction towards education, growth, empowerment. Yeah. Interesting. And what I love about kind of the way you're speaking about things and also what your your business is about is that kind of leadership goes across borders and it, it clearly more and more that's going to uh, be happening yeah. now that we all live on <laughs> zoom and places like that as well as maybe traveling again right but how do you see this the, the global marketplace changing and and how leadership is changing as a result yes uh, my views on leadership actually at a very simplistic level, it is, it's all about connection. It's all about human to human, right? Just connecting at that level. And again, I say that from my own experience, again, of having teams sitting in, you know, Guatemala and team in China, uh, a leader in Romania, uh, while they may have very different backgrounds, very different culture, but actually when you sit with each one of them or when you have a conversation with each one of them, um, at some level, we are all same. We all crave for same similar things. And therefore, leadership is going to be more and more about connecting with people. You know, in my coaching journey, I, I was just talking this evening to somebody. I've coached people from 33 nationalities now. So uh, and it's growing. So I think those boundaries are really blurring where people would say, oh, 
if I, I probably want a coach, if I'm an American, I would want an American coach, maybe he or she understands me better. I think that's not going to hold true anymore. Of course, a little bit of cultural context is important, but it is that human connection that's going to be more important. And leaders will really have to step up if they are going to connect with their teams, which are going to get more and more global and more diverse and more disparate. So I guess gone are the days where you just have your team sitting outside your office and they could just you know, walk out and have a conversation or they all probably look the same, speak the same. All that's changing and it's going to change even more. And what about the roles of women and particularly women of color, women of different background, international background, so forth, in corporate? Because, I mean, clearly across the large firms of the world, there's a there's a lack of representation. What are, what are your thoughts on uh, where things are going and uh, and all of that? Yeah, so you're right. Uh, at one level, there is still a lot of, uh, there is lack of representation. But at the same time, kind of, there's a lot of action happening on diversity and inclusion. Uh, of course, one could argue that it's still not as as deep or as much as it should be, but at least there is a lot of conversations happening right now. There are lots of, I, I guess, all the big organizations have this designation of diversity and inclusion officer or you know leader, whatever you call it. But there's a DNI leader, there's a DNI team. In fact, just yesterday I was on a call with a, a client, and they've they they have a group called Women in Energy, which they are sponsoring. So I think there's lots of conversation, and and I'm quite optimistic that hopefully all that will convert into some action. Also, it's about, I guess, women also recognizing that they have a role to play in speeding things up. You know, going back to my example, I remember when I moved to the U.S. in 2000, I was working in Atlanta and this was the G office. And G, I still think, was very progressive. But still, there would be times where, uh, because it was finance, I, there was time where I would be the only woman in, in, the, in the room and only woman who was of color, who's brown. And not only that, I sounded very different because I had a very different accent. And of course, I looked very different. But then what I very, very early on, I realized that's my strength. Because when I spoke, everybody turned around and they looked at me and they heard mm -hmm. me. Uh, you know, wow. and uh, and I do the same. I mean, la in 2019, I was in Sweden for a business forum where I was speaking and I was the only Asian and I was the only Asian who's brown. So everybody else looked sim similar, had probably had similar accent, a little different accent. When I came on stage, like everybody like really heard me. Uh, in fact, the, the conference organizers came and said, oh, everybody loved you, blah, blah, blah. But I also recognize it's it's because I just was the diversity question there, right? So it's also about mm. us uh, finding and leveraging that difference instead of, you know, saying, oh, we should be like like this or we should have this accent or we should sound like that. I guess the key is really for us women also to, to find that difference and leverage it to our advantage. That's really interesting. Yeah, I've, I've spoken to many, many folks in those spaces that haven't voiced it as simply as you did there where it's it's you know there are a lot of challenges but in some ways it's potentially an opportunity if you leverage it as that that's that's really extraordinary so what are you building now and what are the next steps for your business and where are you scaling and, and so forth yeah that's a great question so 
I guess as you know, for a lot of people, the pandemic did throw a spanner in the work. So uh, like last year, I was supposed to be on a lot of world stages, uh, which of course didn't happen. I was supposed to be in, in Sweden again at Nordics Business Forum, sharing the stage with Seth Gordon and Ryan Holiday. But of course that didn't happen. Conferences got canceled. You know, I had to pivot. So last year, towards the end of last year and this year, uh, while coaching has been, uh, coaching quickly moved virtual, which was anyways happening in Singapore. There's a lot of work that happens virtually because at least for my business, I cover Asia Pacific. So then if I have clients, let's say in Australia or in Thailand or let's say in India, then it's all done through through virtual. But also what what to do with programs, which I was delivering in person. So I've been looking to convert some of them online. And uh, as we speak, I'm actually working on a program which is called Critical Quarter which is really critical quarter in the sense, you know, the, the first 90 days when you move into an expanded role or when you move into a new role. So really helping leaders transition into these new roles successfully and make an impact early on. That's going to be an online program that I'm working on uh, currently. The other thing that I'm doing much more of is really because in 2019, I launched my first book called Leader's Block, which is all about, you know, the leader's block is like writer's block. That's how it came about. I found that during 2020 and even 21, a lot of leaders are going through leader's block because there's so much uncertainty. There's so much of uh, disruption. They don't know what's the solution or there is no precedent. So therefore, that's the message that's, that I'm highlighting more and more through, through my coaching and through my keynotes. So, yeah, so that's that's the plan to keep scaling because I understand uh, and I know this, that coaching, one-on-one coaching is not that scalable. Um, so one step at a time. Really nice to talk with you. Um, where can uh, folks find out more about what you're doing and about your upcoming, the quarter project? Look, sounds really wonderful for, for folks who are starting out on uh, new ventures and, and leadership roles, which is happening like crazy right now. That's correct. And of course, your book. But where, where can folks find out more? Okay, so folks can find me at uh, my website, which is www.ritumehrish.com. That's www.ritumehrish.com. Also on LinkedIn. I am super active on LinkedIn. That's my one of the main platform where I connect uh, and that's where I connected with you, Kent. So you can find me on LinkedIn or my website. My book is there and uh, announcement about my program is going to be there too. Thanks so much for spending some time with us. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Ritu. Really wonderful to chat with you today. So many insights on kind of where we're headed. And I love that there's a real humility to your work on leadership. I think that your story as well is a great inspiration and um, excited to see what happens next. So thanks for tuning in everyone. If, um, if you want to find out more about what uh, Randy and I do at Thought Partner Group, you can go to our website, thoughtpartnergroup.com. There's an assessment there that you can fill out and we'll get back to you and um, you can also subscribe if you like these interviews they're all very different we talk to all kinds of different people and in the meantime be well 
take care of yourself and uh, we'll see you on the next one.